For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Monday. Do you know where your Diamond Dogs are in the Southeastern Conference standings? Let's talk about it here in the Doghouse on the Believe Network. I'm your host, David Murray, and it's another Monday morning. Now, normally we have our overreaction time uh, to start out the new week, but uh, the reactions from the weekend were so positive for Mississippi State, let's just uh, not overreact. Let's just enjoy it and then get back to work as the Bulldogs have more games to play starting Tuesday night with a rematch against those Rebels and a road trip to Missouri. But let's go over the weekend first because it was huge in Mississippi State's 2022 season picture and more so the case in the postseason picture. Um, You know the basics by now. Mississippi State took the series from Ole Miss, a sixth straight series victory in seven years. 2020 was banged for COVID reasons. Um, So they've proven at least twice now that they can win without Jake Mangum. They can win without Jordan Westberg and Justin Foscue. They can win without Connor Pilkington and Ethan Small. They can win without Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan. They can just plain win over the Rebels about any way possible. And by the way, you can still check our story posted on Sunday. I'm sorry. I probably overplayed this angle, but it was just too irresistible to talk about the, uh, let's just say, the physical change between the two teams. Okay. How many times over recent years have you heard opponents and even some Mississippi State fans mocking our team as being a bunch of little guys? You know, good athletes, but kind of smallish compared to their rivals, particularly, and maybe not a whole lot of home run punch. Of course, the stats don't really bear that out. State certainly won their series using uh, whatever tools they had available, whether it was athleticism, occasional power. Thank you, Luke Alexander and Elijah McNamee, and quite a few other guys, Tanner Allen last year also. But uh, Mississippi State had won just with a well-balanced offense approach those years. Well, this year it was something of a role reversal because those big, bad Rebels aren't quite so big and certainly not nearly so bad. Well, in one sense, not so bad. As in recent years, the Bulldogs have definitely taken a change for the larger. Uh, When you have some hosses in your lineup like Brad Cumbus, Kellen Clark, R.J. Yeager, Hunter Hines, et al. You got some bulk in the Diamond Dog order. Well, that bulk showed up at the plate as Mississippi State slugged the ball out of Oxford. Yes, Ole Miss had one more home run total. Mississippi State made their eight home runs count for more and two victories. And yes, I know. Going back to Thursday night, you can say that if you handle one relatively routine fielding play, the defense was shifted, but the ball came right to the infielder, didn't make a clean play on a very difficult short hop, first inning of the game, extends the inning. Of course, it was also extended by some uh, strike zone non-calls, and Ole Miss gets the three-run shot, which turned out to be the margin they needed for the rest of the game. Or if you're in the Ole Miss camp, you could say the series turned on uh, Friday night when after the Bulldogs had cut it to 4-3 to three and left some runners on base, they pick off Logan Tanner at first base to end an inning. Clever little, shall we say, footwork by their first baseman. 
They put a couple runners on base with nobody out and a chance to blow it open and probably seal the series. Honestly. Yes, I'm asking you to be honest because now you can. It's Monday morning. It's safe to admit it. How many of you were about to write off the series at that point? Well, I never write off a series. I never write off a game because I've seen too many of them. But I will admit the uh, impressions were State was in big bad trouble at that point. However, State managed to get out of the inning with no damage, came back, scored runs, scored runs, scored runs, hit the ball out, made the plays, pitching and defense, held on for a 10-7 victory, and came back on Saturday for, let's just say, a nail-biter from start to finish. Even when it was a 6-2 game, I, and I doubt you, were very comfortable because you know the ball leaves the park from both sides whoever's playing in Oxford. It is a hitter's park in every sense of the word. Even Coach Chris Lamonis talked about you're never comfortable in your own dugout, he said, and they're probably not even comfortable in their own dugout. Boy, they were not comfortable at all if you saw some of the camera shots as the game developed, but uh, that's probably another story best told by their own people at this point. Anyway, State hung in there, kept Ole Miss from getting a lead. Great relief work by Pico Khan and Casey Hunt to hold it down. And big old Brad Gumbus gets up there, solo shot, and not on a fastball. They tried to trick him there, come with some breaking stuff on the outside. He just got that big bat around, sent it out to left field. State leads the game. Ole Miss tries to match it with three fly balls in the bottom of the 11th inning. Not going to happen. And State wins another series against the Rebels using the big guys for the change. If I overplayed that angle, well, I'm not going to apologize. I had too much fun doing it because I remember too many critiques of State. Uh, Just to uh, veer off, not off subject, but uh, out of the current time frame. I remember back middle of the decade when John Cohen was coaching and... uh, in those more innocent days, pre-COVID and all that, we had pretty much the run of the field in pregame. I'm standing down there in the first base dugout with the head coach watching Ole Miss take batting practice and made a casual comment about, yeah, those guys are pretty big on the other team up there. And he said, yeah, but look at the way they're swinging the ball. They're all trying to destroy the ball, hit it out of the park. And this is a double A size pro park. That's probably not going to work tonight. It didn't. Oddly enough, State did get a home run in that game and won it. So, Size is not always mattering in baseball. I hardly comment there. Just, you know, keep your mind clean on this Monday morning. But uh, it did help to see yesterday, this past weekend, Bulldog size come to the forefront. And I uh, imagine there's just some people up in Oxford now that say, well, what else can we try at this point? Well, what you can try is to win Tuesday night's game in Pearl, which uh, is going to be a tough one for both teams. As Coach Chris Lamona said, It's going to be a bullpen night for the pitching staff because State has to turn around and go to Missouri for a weekend series. Thankfully, a Friday starting series, and we'll speak more about that in a moment. But we're focusing at the moment on State defeating the Rebels and what it now means for the rest of the season. Yes, it's time to kind of put it behind. No, it's not. Let's talk some more about it. You talk about some gutty pitching, guys like Preston Johnson getting hit early, three consecutive home runs. Would that not send you to the showers mentally, if not actually? But no, you leave him out there, and he just battles, battles, battles through a few more innings and keeps the damage down. That was the whole key to the series. Keep For both teams, State kept the damage down in two of the games a little bit better. In fact, if you take away the first inning on Thursday night, they kept the damage down almost the entire series. We're going to keep going to the back to that first inning. I have a hunch, you know, the one that got away, 
But you can say the same thing about the Sunday game with Auburn or the Saturday game with Georgia. That's going to address our larger point for today's uh, talking um, commentary about where state stands in the SEC at this moment. Anyway, another curious fact of the weekend that we pointed out, state only batted 281 for the whole series. Ole Miss only batted 241 for the series, and yet there were because there were 15 home runs hit worth 25 RBI, there were 36 total runs scored. I'm not the rigged numbers nerd that I used to be, but you look at that, and it's just a proof that power is taking the forefront in the SEC these days, and B, Mississippi State really needs to round out the offense and start driving in more runs on doubles, on singles, on ground balls, on errored balls. Anything, bases on balls, getting hit by a pitch. They need to find other ways to create offense because they're fixing to play in some parks that aren't quite so long ball friendly. Then again, I say that it may be before, when they get to Hoover, of course, Pearl Tuesday night, before they run to a park where they can't reach the fences and beyond because this team is still crushing the ball at a record pace. That, that still boggles my mind quite a bit. Yes, I was around for the 89 team, which I say had they been using the gorilla bats of the late 90s, they would have smashed all sorts of home run records. Anyway, they had 96 and I think 68 games. The 98 team in the era of gorilla ball, in fact, 98 was the peak of it for those of us who remember how the World Series ended. Southern Cal and LSU just swapping two or three runs every inning with the ball jumping out of old Rosenblatt. Anyway, that team hit 97 homers in 65 games. That comes out to just under 1.5 per game. As of now, with 75 homers, 41 games, I did the math for you. That's over 1.8 home runs per game. At this pace, Mississippi State would smash the regular season record for home runs. I'm sorry, the full season record during the regular season only without even having to go to tournament time. In fact, if they stay exactly at this pace, they'll do it in the uh, Friday game against Tennessee on Duty Noble Field. Of course, you know what Tennessee's doing this year. That's the only team right now with more home runs than Mississippi State in the SEC. So (laughs) I think we can look forward to fireworks that whole weekend in Starkville when the uh, currently number one ranked Vols come to town. Where will the Bulldogs be ranked at that point? And... No, I don't care about the top 25, though it's nice. You know, I always like to check my friends at D1 Baseball's polls there just to see what's going on. The only rankings I care about at the moment are the NCAA's Rating Powers Index and the SEC standings, which I've built up enough, so here we go. With four series left, Mississippi State, again, is number nine in the SEC, and that is a number nine by themselves. Kind of unusual because once you get uh, past the top two spots, Tennessee and Arkansas, Also, the respective division leaders who would get automatic buys and the top two seeds in the SEC tournament, it starts getting pretty tied pretty fast. There's a tie for third, tie for fifth, tie for seventh. Only the tie for fifth can be broken at the moment. Uh, Third and fifth can by common opponent, but that's really not going to matter because there's still, again, four series left to play. Then you're down to state at ninth with um, 8-10 record. And I always have to remind this. The standings are by winning percentage only. It does not matter if you are X number of wins ahead in the final standings, um, other than percentage, of course, because what happens if weather interrupts? Which, by the way, that hasn't happened a lot in recent years. I think there was one rainout all the SEC last year, 
which turned out to be surprisingly important for Alabama. It may have gotten him in the NCAA tournament not having to play Vanderbilt. Anyway, just keep in mind, it's done by winning percentage. So Tennessee, 944, and it's a long fall to Arkansas at 667 in second place. But State is a 444. Nice round figures there at 8 and 10. Yeah, they'd certainly rather be 9 and 9 at the moment and had plenty of chances to be, but that's in the past now. You've got to play the next four weekends. You've got to stay in this pace to lock up a berth in Hoover. Uh, by the way, there is a four-team log jam for 10th place right behind, but right behind now, unlike a week ago when it was one game, is now two entire games. That's four teams locked in at 6-12. and 12. Surprisingly, Florida being one of them. Not so surprisingly, Kentucky and South Carolina. And yeah, I'll say surprisingly Ole Miss because so much was expected. I mean, like, what, weren't they ranked number one at one point this season? That's long ago and far away. Uh, and Missouri, of course, is in the cellar at the moment, and State is going to Missouri this weekend. And I'm not going to assume anything because I remember last year's Missouri series all too well. That was the weekend that cost Mississippi State a shot at the SEC regular season championship. In the long run, <laughs> I'd much rather have that national championship they won, but at the time it seemed like a pretty stinging deal to let the league trophy get away by losing to the worst team in the conference. Well, Missouri, again, looks like the worst team in the conference, 5-13, and 13, but they've uh, managed to scratch out a win here. They're getting some pretty good teams, so State can't take it for granted. And pitching will be very much on uh, Scott Foxhall's mind, Chris Lamonis' mind, as they make plans for this weekend after Tuesday's uh, bullpen game with the Rebels. So that's where they are, ninth in the SEC. If this pace holds, they will be playing on the first day of the SEC tournament. And if that sounds like a small reward, well, remember, a week ago, even though they were ninth, it was only about one game. And you're seriously thinking, if they don't win this series at Ole Miss, the rest of the schedule really shapes up as a, a do-or-die point. They won it. They've got a couple of games margin to work with right now. You want to maintain it. You want to build it. You want to expand that margin in coming weeks, and Missouri is a great opportunity to do it because State also has to play Florida here at home, another 6-12 and team, but you know the Gators have a lot more talent than any team should be at 10th place at this point. Uh, they're going to Texas A&M, which pulled off a win or two against Alabama, and the showdown with Tennessee coming in later. All right. Showdown may be stretching the point a little bit, but uh, that's okay. We'll have fun when that time comes. So as the SEC tournament chase, they're in better shape than a week ago. They're far from locked in, but you'd love to have at least a little bit of cushion to work with as you go into the next four series. Um, last week, I ran the collective uh, SEC records of those teams. I have not done that yet. Probably do it midweek. But it's not quite so um, important at this point now. That's just how key the Ole Miss series was. They had to win that series to really put themselves. Because, again, if you lose that series, heaven forbid you get swept in that series, you're probably looking at a season with no postseason baseball. I mean, not even Hoover at this point. So that was a very valuable series for the dogs to pull off. And they did it in dramatic fashion, which I think will do nothing but build confidence. Okay, it'd be nice to have uh, just blown them out and just remind them who their diamond daddy is. I came up with that line a couple of years ago when Jake Mangum finished his uh, career against the Rebels in Oxford on Mother's Day. Uh, sometimes I really need to back off a little bit on the caffeine. Anyway, 
you want to be in better shape than that, but at the same time, you're feeling so much more positive about yourself and that you're going to miss the out of Hoover Club, two teams. But um, who will it be? Well, is it going to be anybody surprised if it's the Rebels? I, looking at the remaining schedules, eh, let's see. They have Ar- oops, Arkansas at Arkansas, and that's not going to be a happy hog team because they let a game get away this week and dropped them further behind Tennessee. In fact, with 12 games remaining, they're going to have to really go on a run, and Tennessee's going to have to really start falling apart for the Razor Swine to have a chance of winning the SEC. So I think they're going to have to set their sights on winning the West and locking up a national seeding if possible. Uh, the rest of the Rebel schedule, Missouri, okay. But that's at home, and they should be in good shape that one. At LSU, yes, LSU is tied for fifth. I'm still just not sold on the Tigers at this point, nor A&M, for that matter, who Mississippi State also plays. So the schedules are really just about equal the rest of the way for two wins. And again, that's how important it was for State to win the series because their matchup with Ole Miss the rest of the way was just about equal. So State had to beat them head-to-head, get that tie break if necessary. Better than that, start building some momentum. And they did it the hard way. Even the Thursday loss, they know they were probably one defensive play, possibly one strike, and certainly one swing away from taking that game and going on and sweeping the series. So instead of looking at it with regret for that, you look at it as they gutted out a win on Saturday after playing a game that they probably controlled a little more than it looked like in the final score uh, in the mid-game. But that was so key. I I look back on Hunter Logan Tanner's getting out, I mentioned as a possible turning point for Ole Miss. I still want to look at what R.J. Yeager did and think, now that's a turning point for a whole series there and combine it with what guys like Hunter Hines did as well. So now can State rely on power at Missouri? Well, it depends on what the wind's doing. It's a reachable park. But again, they just need to expand the offensive repertoire and start getting more doubles. That's why, oddly enough, State's number two in the SEC in home runs but down the list a good bit in slugging percentage, which factors in other extra base hits. Lamonis would like to start getting some of those. I think State has two triples all season. Now with some of the guys you have in this roster getting three bases off a ground ball, eh, it could be a challenge, maybe not quite the fastest team out there. But doubles certainly should be within their reach, gap power, corner power as well. So just keep driving the ball. Good things should happen. Pitching-wise, this will be a good week to shake up the rotation. Uh, Chris Lamonis mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that with consecutive Thursday starting series, it was probably not a good time to do it because you were shorting pitchers as it was for the LSU – I'm sorry, for the Auburn and Ole Miss series. You didn't want to shake them up too much off their routine. Now you can afford to. They played Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Now it's going to be back to Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Do you move Preston Johnson back up to the starting job on Friday night? Because that would keep him on schedule. Slide Brandon Smith down to the Saturday, game two, give him a little extra rest, and then come back with Cade Smith on Sunday. Or do you bump Cade up? I suspect they want to keep Smith on Sunday at this point just because he seems to have the mentality to be that guy who kind of likes the pressure of the rubber game or the game to seal a series or just the pressure of being out there to salvage a split. And that's a special mentality for a pitcher. So if they're comfortable with him staying out there, then leave him in the Sunday spot and rework Friday and Saturday to what you have. 
the bullpen, well, Brooks Auger is out. We understand that now. We still do not have a report on Parker's net. Uh, so that really limits your options, too, on Tuesday night. When I said bullpen night, I wasn't kidding. We have a poll going, in fact, that Mike Nemeth started Sunday evening on our website. You can participate. It's not too late before um, Lamonis probably names a starter sometime during the call-in show on Monday. Uh, get in there and, and you make your prediction. Me, I'm going with Mickey Tepper, even though I have nothing to base that on other than I just kind of like the name at this point. Hey, there are worse reasons to pick a guy, so we'll see who he goes with. But they're all going to throw at some point because you can't use some of these guys for the weekends unless they just need the work. That may be the situation, but you can guarantee your three rotation candidates will not throw Tuesday night, nor would Casey Hunt throw because he emerges too valuable. I can't imagine Jackson Fristo throwing as well. Our Pico Con, you just those are the guys you need available, but you also need to develop some of these younger guys. Oh, this would be a good game for uh, Cheatham to pitch some. We need to develop that left-hander more. And I can, you, you and I could both come up with many other examples. Does the game really matter at this point? Well, actually, it does. RPI. Yes, we're back to that bitter subject sometimes. Oh, last year it was wonderful having an RPI, watching it crawl up from 12 to 11, and finally sneaking into national seating range. Not going to happen this year. Mississippi State began the weekend at 81. Yes, that was general progress over previous weeks, but you still sat there and go, oh gosh, if only they had scored just one. Just one win against LSU and then swept Auburn then your RPI is probably at least in the low 70s, maybe better. Well, 81, we'll see what winning the series did for them because it was last updated Friday morning after the Rebels had won. So we'll certainly get a bump up in the 70s, but the 70s is just not going to be good enough at this point to feel really comfortable about an NCAA tournament bid. So no matter what Ole Miss drops to in the RBI, RPI, and boy, have they been on a drop. You remember that number one mention? They've gone from a top 10 RPI. They were 58 going into Friday's game. So there is an off chance that Mississippi State and Ole Miss are like elevators going in opposite directions when the RPI by the NCAA comes out. I've not looked at what our friends Warren Nolan and others have put out in there. They're generally pretty close to what the NCAA has. But um, I'll stick with the official figures simply because that's what factors into settling who gets in the NCAA tournament to start with, as well as seedings and sightings. But that will be something to pay attention to Monday when it comes out, and of course we'll be reporting it on Gene's page as well. So a big weekend for the Bulldogs. They prove once again that whether you're using a one-size player or another size dog, regardless of physique, the Bulldogs have the bigger hearts, and they certainly had the bigger bats this weekend and took care of business once again against the Rebels. Another series victory. So maybe the Rebels can score some pride points by taking tonight uh, Tuesday night's game in Pearl. Hopefully not, because uh, that would really help state out in the RPI just a little bit more, and you're counting points. No, Missouri actually will turn out to be surprising help, and, and that shows the vagaries of the RPI system. Because how can a team 5-13 and 13 be that far ahead of State, Ole Miss, and others in RPI? Strength of schedule. And that's why Mississippi State needs to start stacking up SEC wins fast. We've talked about this the last two weeks. I don't think this year 13 wins will get Mississippi State into the NCAA tournament. 
Other teams, yes, with a good schedule strength, State just doesn't have it. And that's the nature of who they scheduled. They couldn't count on Long Beach State being bad. They didn't know some of these teams were going to struggle so bad, and they certainly didn't count on losing to teams like Long Beach State. That still comes back to bite this far into the season. So State's got to stack up those wins as fast as they can, and this is a good weekend to start with Missouri, but they just got to continue because the NCAA is going to be a tight, tight selection this year. I, there are going to be some really disappointed teams come out because picking between them is going to be just really really close. I mentioned I don't feel confident about 13 wins, which has happened several times. 14, I think, would certainly do it, and especially if you won a game or two in Hoover. Do that, and much like Alabama last year when they came in with just 12 regular season wins, but a great strength of schedule and won some games in Hoover, that put them in the NCAA tournament. State, if they can get to 14, but heck, 12 games left, 8 wins, if you do better than break even, you're at 15 wins. You got nothing to worry about NCAA-wise. Then you're just trying to figure out, do I make a hotel reservation in Hoover for Tuesday night after the game, or do I wait and see how things turn out? The decisions we media and fans have to make regarding these things. But that's part of the tension, part of the entertainment of the stretch run. And yeah, four full weekends left, but it's already the stretch run in SEC season and for the Diamond Dogs. Quickly turning to football, um, we were not able to attend the Saturday scrimmage for the Bulldogs, but we know they'll be wrapping it up on Tuesday as Mike Leach concludes the spring camp. They're making up for the lack of a spring game by putting in an extra session here, still staying in NCAA's limit of 15. So um, Paul Jones had a roster and a depth chart report from thir- Saturday his work as well as Thursday's preceding it. And that will take care of this camp for Leach and the program. Uh, we understand that uh, State picked up a cornerback commitment in the transfer portal from Florida State. Well, that's a position that you certainly could use some good news. Uh, too bad that he wasn't around for spring training because he could get a jump in there and uh, coach Zach Arnett's defensive style. But uh, he's got Southern, I'm sorry, summer to work out with the rest of the dogs on his own. Then come August, jump into that mix and provide some more depth to the cornerback position and the secondary in general. So we'll be talking uh, post-spring wrap-up later this week, uh, evaluating what Leach has to say, what he doesn't have to say, uh, what the assistants and players talk about, and try to find were there any real questions answered during spring camp. I think so at several areas, particularly offensive line, but we'll get more into that this week. For now, it's a Monday morning. The Diamond Dogs are still kings of Mississippi baseball as far as SEC is concerned. And life is good for the Bulldogs again because all the tension we had last week seems to have evaporated away. Although we hope the Diamond Dogs themselves keep a little bit of that edge going, not so much about the rival, but they've got to stay sharp because there's no room for messing up and dropping a series at Missouri this year. Take care of business and we can start taking care of our plans for the SEC tournament and the postseason as well. That's our Doghouse Report for this Monday morning. We thank you for listening here on the Believe Network. I'm your host, David Murray, and look forward to talking to you later on in the week. Until then, thanks for talking, thanks for listening, and just thanks for being a part of Bulldog Country. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.